Hi, thanks again for tuning into Sin's Workshop. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Today we're going to be talking about Queen of Air and Darkness by Cassandra Clare. It's the final novel in the Dark Artifices trilogy. Uh, you know, I pre-ordered this book before it came out uh, last year. And because I'm a huge fan of Cassandra Clare. I love her Mortal Instruments series. Not a fan of the TV show. I think the TV show is awful. Um, I could only watch the two episodes before. I was like, never again. And But I do, I do enjoy the movie. I did think the movie was a fairly close adaption. Yes, it had issues, but it could have been better. But, you know, in the end, I thought it was a decent enough adaptation. But, you know, I waited a long time for Queen of Air and Darkness because I really enjoyed the first two books of the series. And, yes, I'm only now just getting to read it because, you know, there's so much, you know, as a book reviewer, I get so many books and I have so many deadlines that the books that don't have deadlines kind of get pushed back. And, yeah, this book got pushed back um, quite a while. Um, but now that I don't have a job due to COVID-19, you know, I'm trying to make more time to read the books on my bookshelves um, on the weekend. You know, I spend the week working and then I, you know, spend my weekend reading. And this was one of them. Um, so, first of all, this is, this is a book that's over 900 pages. It's 912 pages. It doesn't feel like it. And I think that's great. You know, there's some books that are like 300 pages that seem so long because they just drag. But Claire is so amazing at her pacing. Um, she's so great at developing a great pace for her story, for keeping the momentum up throughout and creating really strong tension throughout the story. And not once does it, you know, this book is split into three parts. And not once does the story lag. Um, I thought it was really well written. I thought the structure of it was so well done. And I love the shifting of multiple POVs. You know, the reader really gets to connect to all the characters. You know, from Christina to Kyrian, Diana to Mark, you know, Jules and Emma, even Drusilla. And, you know... Ty and Kit, you know, these are all really strong characters. And they're all very unique as well. I think, um, you know, it, it takes place right after the previous novel, you know. Annabelle Blackthorne, Risen from the Dead, in a tragic incident, you know, she kills Livy. Blackthorn, Ty's twin sister. And this has sort of broken the family just a little bit because they lost one of their core members. You know, they lost their parents at a really long, really young age. And then they lost their oldest siblings as well because they were part Fae. So they really have a strong family unit that has sort of cracked under pressure at this point. But the entire novel is about them trying to regain um, one another, trying to find each other once again and recreate that strong, um, unit. I think it's also really important that Claire has 
introduced um, diverse characters. You know, from the get-go, she's always been really strong about her um, diversity and representation from, you know, Magnus and Alec. You know, that was from the beginning. You had a LGBTQ relationship right there. But she's gone further with that. She has Diana, who's a transgender character. And then she has, you know, Christina, um, Kyrian, and Mark enter in a polyamorous relationship, you know. And they all love each other. You know, at first it was sort of characterized that maybe this is going to be like some sort of love triangle, but she did away with that. You know, it doesn't have to be a love triangle. There doesn't have to be drama because of a love triangle. Um, it can be drama trying to be together because they're all so kind of different. You know, Kyrian is, he's a fairy. And then Mark is half fairy. And then Christina's just, you know, she's an aphelium. She's a hit. She's a shadow hunter. Uh, so... You know, they're three different sects, but they want to be together. You know, they love each other with all their hearts. So the relationship is developed in quite a beautiful way. It doesn't seem cliche. It doesn't seem cheesy. And it doesn't seem outlandish. You know, polyamorous relationships out, out there, they do work for some people. And I think it's great to show some respect to that. You know, sometimes you just love someone you can't control who you love and if you all love each other then why not be together love is love you know so I thought that was really interesting that she developed this polyamorous relationship um you know monogamy is really just sort of a human concept um I say that as someone who is monogamous you know to her husband I believe monogamy does work for some people but you know mammals in general, you know, we are mammals. We tend to be polyamorous. Um, and, you know, if that works for some people, then just let it work for them. And I thought that was really, really clever. And I thought it was very respectful how Claire brought to life that relationship. As for Diana and her being a transgender, um, that was kind of a really beautiful moment in the story because it's her true self. And she is living, you know, her truth that people nowadays are struggling to live because of, you know, because of society, you know. So I thought it was very powerful and wonderful and beautiful um, how the people, you know, Nephilim, they don't really have a word for it um it's not something in their culture that is wholly accepted but Jules and Emma you know they find a way to understand it and they talk to Diana about it and it's kind of beautiful how that whole exchange goes because there's so much love in that scene there's so much acceptance in that scene and it's amazing how that scene is structured what I also appreciate is um, Ty. It's very clear he's he's on the spectrum, you know, on some level. He has this sort of disconnect with other humans. He can't really stand loud spaces, um, which is why he always had his, his headphones on. And I thought the development and the relationship between him and Kit, you know, was really well done. I 
loved how Kit has grown as a character from the first novel. And I think that's also something to take away from this. You know, the series in itself is so memorable. You know, it's been years since I read the first two books, but I still remember them enough that I can pick up this novel a year and a half after its publication and read it and be able to remember everything clearly. Um, I will say this, I wish there was like a family tree because, you know, sometimes these family trees get a little confusing and I always have to like think back and look online and be like, okay, where do these people break off again? So it was very lovely um, to see Kit and Ty's relationship develop, especially in the wake of Livy's death. It's also um, somewhat tragic because I don't think Ty is really seeing, you know, he's, he's really cracked, like I said, on, in the wake of his sister's death. And when someone on the, um, the spectrum, you know, they sort of crack, but when the pressure gets to them, you really get to see it here through his actions, the way he talks to Kit, you know, this disconnect between him and reality, you know, this sort of delusion. Um, that what he's doing is not just for himself, but for everyone. And it's, it's not true. So, Overall, once again, I can't say this enough. This was such an amazing novel. I flew through it. I wish I had had time when it came out to read it and review it. Um, but I'm glad I made the time now because Claire doesn't disappoint. Uh, you know, I have her other her new book on my bookshelf, so I'm gonna get to that as soon as possible. But you know, she's such a great writer because she's able to create such multi-dimensional characters she's able to highlight representation she's able to create an extensive plot line that is so easy to get lost in you're just so entranced by these characters by their relationships by the tension and I think that's something so powerful about her writing and it you know it shows that she's grown as a writer because I can tell once again, her series is very memorable, but this novel is, like, I'll always love City of Bones. I think City of Bones is a great novel, but you can see how she has grown as a writer with this series. You know, she's dealing with um, bigotry, she's dealing with racism, and she's using her medium to address these issues of xenophobia and bigotry and racism, how they are not okay. You know, she uses this medium of fantasy, uh, of downwolders, of demons, of vampires. You know, she creates such a strong message with her fantasy, but it's not lost on the reader. It's so clear. It's so easy to understand, and it makes a powerful impact on the reader. So, once again, you know, I really do love the series. I think it's a great series. And I can't say that enough. And I thought this was such a great finale. I have to say, I wish... I have to say this. You know, that scene with Annabelle and Jules, it seemed a little anticlimactic. I mean, the story is called Queen of Air and Darkness. You have Annabelle Blackthorn on the cover. Um, I was kind of expecting to see more of those two go head-to-head, -head, especially when she has you know, the Black Book of the Dead. 
Um, she has a black volume. So she has so much magic at her disposal. But it felt a little anticlimactic, their final showdown. And their final showdown is, like, somewhere in the middle of the book. It's not even near the end. I know the novel's dealing with more important issues, you know. Um, and I really liked that it was dealing with more important issues. You know, this all this mystery, all this subterfuge, all these plot twists and schemes within schemes. It's all well-developed, don't get me wrong. I was just expecting more from the Annabelle Blackthorn um, and Jules' tension, you know. I was expecting more of that, and I didn't really get more of that. So that left me wanting a little bit more. Um, but I overall did love the story. I got lost in it. It doesn't feel long. It doesn't feel dragged out. And if you were lucky enough to get one of the first um, edition prints like I was, I love the interior artwork that is spread throughout the book. You know, these one-page scenes. They're so well-drawn. They're amazing. And I love um, the inside flap cover of the hardcover, how it has the Blackthorn family right there and their... Um, you know, their allies, that was also really cool. So I really love the artwork. I really love the design of this novel. I love how Claire uses poetry lines as her chapter titles. I've loved that since, you know, the first novel. I thought it was very clever. It fits within the story. You know, it doesn't seem disjointed at all. So once again, this was Queen of Air and Darkness by Cassandra Clare. I definitely have to recommend the Dark Artifices series. Um, it has such amazing messages, such diversity and representation, and it moves so quickly. I mean, this is just something you can you just can't put it down. You don't want to put it down. So, once again, Queen of Air and Darkness by Cassandra Clare. Please check out your, your library's digital catalog. And if money is not too tight, please remember to support your local bookseller and purchase the book from their website. Once again, have a nice day and happy reading.